the first thing I want to do is give my subject. Now, in 2 Thessalonians, <coughs> excuse me, in 2 Thessalonians, uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, the Apostle Paul is ministering to people 2,000 years ago. That's the first thing we want to know. He is reminding them of what God has already done. Now, when Paul ministered, you got to understand, Paul ministered on the revelation of the mystery. Say that with me, the revelation, the revelation. of the mystery. All right. So everything Paul is talking about has already happened. I have to know that because he's ministering on the revelation of the mystery. So everything has been a mystery, but now Paul is ministering to the church. So that's why I'm going to talk about today what happens when we believe. Say that with me. What happens when we believe? Now, what I want to show you is your believing is really what controlling your life. What you believe in is actually controlling your life. Now, you can believe the truth. I didn't say, you see, you have to hear the word. You can believe the truth. Something can be true, but it does not mean it's the truth. So you have to understand, that's why I always hear you, you hear me say, listen, listen. Because the word of God is just not picked up because you just hear it. You have to hear with your spirit. Only truth is the gospel of Christ. There's nothing else that is the truth. Now something can be true, but it's not the truth. So let, let's go show you something. Now I'm going to be talking about what happened when we believe. Let's go back to Jesus. The Gospel of John, chapter number 8. The Gospel of John, chapter 8. Now, Jesus Christ knows that he is the truth. See, that was John 14, 6. Jesus told them, I'm the way, the truth. I am the truth. So the truth is a person. The truth is, listen to me. The truth is not something. It's the doctrine of Christ. It is the gospel of Christ. So when you are saved, you're saved because you believe the truth. All right? It's not because you did something. So I'm showing you what happened when you believe. When you believe the truth, that's how you were saved. You're never going to receive the Holy Spirit until you believe the truth. Now, you can think you have believed the truth, but God's always going to see did you believe? You remember that's why I taught Abraham one time? God wanted to know that Abraham believed. Now, until Abraham took his son on the mountain, offered up his son to God, he was willing to take his own son's life. That's when God stopped him and said, now I know you believe. So that means when you say you believe, there will be tests going on in your life to see do you really believe. See, believing God is not just, oh, I believe that, and you go on with your life. No, there's going to be a whole lot of things going on in your life, and God's going to let you know you don't believe this. See? All right, that's what you must understand. In John chapter 8, Jesus Christ was teaching. We're going to go down in verse number 20. Because when he taught this, he was talking to people who was following him. Matter of fact, let's go to verse 30. We're not going to start. Let's go all the way down to verse 30. John 8 and 30. In the gospel of John chapter 8, verse 30, as he spake these words, remember, as he spake these words, many believed on him as he spake these words. Then the Bible says, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Now remember, these Jews believed on him. 
But watch what happened. He said to them that believed on him, if you continue in my word. See, it's not just enough to say I believe. If you continue in my word, watch this. Then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Remember, the truth is not something that is true, although it's true. But the truth is a person. The spirit of truth and the word of truth. You shall know the truth. He's talking about the doctrine of Christ. And once you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Now, we know that because Paul preached the truth. Now, let's show you that, Galatians 3.1. Paul preached what? The truth. Galatians 3.1, we're going to show you what the truth is. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Paul preached the truth. The doctrine of Christ. So from there, we're going to go to Ephesians 1.13. Paul preached the truth. The gospel of Christ is the truth. So that's what this Bible is talking about. So once you believe the, the truth, God gives you the Holy Spirit. See, I'm talking about what happens when you believe. You ask the people, you say, do you know you have the Holy Spirit? Have you ever noticed the Holy know you know you have the Holy Spirit in you? I don't know. Do you believe the truth? Oh, yeah. See, you're saying one thing, but you don't even know if you have the Holy Spirit. See, so you need to shut it all down and make sure you have the Holy Spirit. So, but you got to make sure you believe the truth. That's personal between you and the Lord. And the truth is, Christ died for my sins, he was buried, and God raised him from the dead. That's the truth. Until you believe that, you don't get the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Ain't that right? All right, now, in John chapter 8 and verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said he to the Jews that believed on him, if you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, when did they get free? If you read Romans chapter 6, God made them free from sin. I'm just giving you the books, I'm not turning to those. That's what Romans chapter 6 is about. God made you free from sin. How did he make you free from sin? Because you know the truth. What else did he free you from? We know Israel, Romans chapter 7, free from the law. So they became free from sin, free from the law. Now, all that happened because Jesus said, how did it happen? Because I now know the truth. See, so let's go to Galatians chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 1. I got I to gotta get into some things this morning because I, I went another way and I taught you some out of the book of Hosea. Or Hosea. All right, so in Galatia chapter number 3, that's where we're at. Just verse 1 out of King James. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Oh, foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you that you should not, watch this, obey the truth? He didn't use the word believe, did he? How many know to obey the truth is to believe the truth? So, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidence set forth, watch this, crucified among you. If you don't know the truth, you saw Jesus die, buried, and raised again from the dead. And you still saying you don't know the truth? See, that is the truth, is my point. Now, here's the point. You want to put down the word believe. Because I didn't put down there what happened when you believe the truth. I could have done that. But there's another side of believing. There's a believing a lie. So when you believe the truth, this is what happens. You become edified. See, the word cannot edify you until you believe it. The truth can't build you up. The word can't build you up until you believe it. So when you believe the truth, number one, you're edified. Number two, you are enlightened. 
Number three, you're uplifted. We talk about uplifted morally, spiritually, intellectually. That's a big word I got this week. So you are edified, spirit, soul, and body when you believe the truth. Now, when you don't believe the truth, you believe a lie. And when you believe a lie, it does just the opposite of the truth. The truth edifies, the truth uh, enlightens you and uplifts you. But when you believe a lie, you now are deceived. And when you are deceived, your body works in opposite. See, your soul can't be edified. Your soul can't edify because you have believed a lie. Things begin to decrease. See, God told the children of Israel, if they obey the law, not the new covenant, the law, that their lives may be long upon the land. Obey your mother and your father, your life will be long upon the land the Lord thy God giveth you. Just by keeping the law. Because obedience of the law would, would cause you to live longer. See, but when you believe lies, when somebody lie to you, it causes you to be deceived. And deception works in reverse. See, you got to understand that. Now, when we are deceived, we mean we are misled. Let's just think about it. When somebody deceive you, they mislead you. Or they lead you in the wrong direction. Deception is the action of deceiving someone. It means to distort the truth. So when somebody deceive you, they hid the truth from you. They don't know the truth. So when people lie to you, they don't know the truth, so they hide the truth from you because they don't know it. Now, how was Eve deceived? I want to show you that in the word, first of all, that it was Eve. Let's go to 1 Timothy 2.14. 1 Timothy 2.14 told you that Eve was deceived. When Eve was deceived, she fell from grace. Now, we know falling from grace is Galatians 5.4. You are falling from grace. How is a person fall from grace? Deception. Deception. So, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 14. I think I said 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 2.14, right? So in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14, uh, uh, 14, let's look at 14, on the screen. And Adam was not deceived. So you got to understand that. But the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. So Eve was deceived. How was she deceived? Because Satan lied. Genesis 3.1. She believed the lie. Now, if you know how a person was deceived, then you know how to get a person saved. It's always reversed the situation. If I know that you believe the lie and that deceive you, then all I got to do is preach the truth and you believe the truth, it will deliver you from the lie. Nothing can deliver you from a lie but the truth. All of us in here were in our condition because we had believed the lie. And the only way that's going to ever change, you have to believe the truth. You can't get sprinkled, water baptized, you can't get foot washed, and you can't get, you can't get rid of a lie like that, you notice? The only way to get rid of a lie, you have to eat the truth. How did they get the lie? They ate the lie. The word ate means believed. So the only way you're going to be able to get the truth in you, you got to eat it. And the truth will come in you 
and destroy the lie out of your soul. Somebody give the Lord a big hand for that. So we go back and look at how man fell. We go to Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was more substitute than any beast. That word beast mean king or the field or the world. That's what he was, the king of the world. Which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Yea, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. See, this king was in the garden. One day I'm going to take time to just show you that. I won't tell you what it is, because you'll be over there right now trying to find it. But anyway, I'm going to show you that. These were kings that lived in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem. All right, but the Bible called them beasts. All right, so we have to understand it. Now, I want you to put down the word possible. I'm going to give you two words. Number one word I'm going to give you first is the word believe. Then I'm going to give you the word possible. Number one word is what? Believe. believe. I'm going to give you the word believe. Then I'm going to give you the word possible. Because when God's going to do something in your life, when God's going to do something in your life, it must be possible. Let me say it again. When God is going to do something in your life, it must be possible. And if he can't do it, it's because it's not possible. Now with God, all things are possible. But with man, he cannot operate in the possible zone unless he believes. So if you don't believe, you can't enter into the impossibilities of God. It's not possible for you. But when you believe, you step into the, that's possible. So that's why Paul gave us Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. What did he do? He stepped into the possible zone. Ain't that right? Now, what happens when we believe? Put down the word believe. Because the first word believe is put confidence in. So when you say I believe the truth, believe in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation, now I put my confidence in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. All right? And what God wants you to do is believe the truth because the truth is the true doctrine of Christ. Isn't that right? Now, this word believe means to fully be, to be fully persuaded. So if, you don't, if you're not fully persuaded, you don't believe yet. You know, there, there are people you, you'll see that go through a, a situation and they say, man, I'll never do that again. And as soon as they get up the next day, that's what you find them doing again. Now, they didn't believe, they didn't believe that. You know, my, my mother used to say to me, Mother Maggie Crump, she said, you don't believe fat meat greasy. <laughs> Let that sink in. She had some sayings. All right, but watch this. To believe means to be fully persuaded, give credit to, to give credit to. Otherwise, it means to receive something. So if I believe something, I'll receive it. So if you lie to me, if I believe it, it's because I received it. I received it because I believed it. It's the same word. They're interchangeable. But it's an awesome thing when you believe a lie. It's just like poison. It poisons your system. Spiritually speaking, it poisons your system. When somebody lied to you, or you believe a lie, and you believe it. See, you, you got to understand, words are very powerful. That's why you can't get out of you hurt. You can't get out of you unforgiveness until you forgive. Amen. See, if you get hate in your heart, you can't get it out. You can get anger in your heart, bitterness in your heart, strife in your heart, jealousy in your heart. Many things you can get in your heart. You have to find a way to get them out. 
See, that's why you have to know the word counsel. The Bible talks about counsel. It says counsel in the heart of a man is as deep water, but a man of understanding would draw it out. So you have to understand when a person come to you and they have stuff in their heart, you have to allow them to talk it out. Look at somebody said, talk it out. See, counsel means you got to let them talk it out. The only way you're going to get it out is talk it out. It came in through the ears, it must go out through the mouth. So that's why you have to be very careful what you hear and how you hear. Because somebody can lie to you and it got in your heart. And it can turn to bitterness and cause envy and strife against somebody that they said it about. And you'll be thinking they right what they said. And the only way you're going to get that out your heart, you got to talk it out. You don't have to be with me. You can walk up or down the road and get that. But you got to talk it out. It's like releasing words. That's why counsel is so important. And you have to understand when somebody got some things and their issues in their heart and they come to you and say, I need to get it out. See, they won't tell you that, but I, I know what it is. They need to get it out because it, 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 it's messing with their head. Messing with your conscience. But once you talk that stuff out of you, it, it, it won't, it's, it's like you can take a deep breath like, ah. Just like having a sour stomach. But that's what lies does once they fall into your stomach. They turn sour and bitterness, just like poison. That's why you be careful when somebody starts telling you a lot of foolishness. Guard your heart. That's why the new covenant, the Holy Ghost, God said. Now, here we go. Deception works the same way. So when you believe, you're able to do something. Let me show you this phrase. Let's go to Mark. I'm going to give you three, three verses in Mark. We're going to write them down. Mark 10, 27. Matter of fact, we'll start at Mark 9, 23. Mark 9, 23, Mark 10, 27, and Mark 14, 36. I'm going to give you three scriptures. Once again, the Gospel of St. Mark, 14, I'm sorry, 9, 23, Mark 10, 27, and Mark 14, 36. We're going to go to those three. We, gonna, we can stay with the King James. We don't want to make it tough on you today. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 9. All three of these are going to be in Mark. Make it easy. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 9, and verse number 23. Now watch what Jesus says. All these is what Jesus says to his followers. If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. How many things are possible to you? How do they get possible? There's nothing impossible for you. See, why? Because God gave you his faith and what is the purpose of his faith? So you can believe. See, if you don't have God's faith, you can't believe the word. So when God's word says something, you can believe it. Now, it, you, you, you don't have anything else to do with it but believe. Now, what do you believe with? What do you believe with? Your heart. See, so you got to understand that. That's your soul, your conscience, your mind. So you can't believe with your hands and your feet. Your physical body. You got to believe with your soul, your heart, your conscience, your mind. But if you can believe it, God said all things are possible. All right. So he said, if I can believe, all things are possible. Watch this. To him that believe it. So I can't. I know people will say, Pastor, come pray for me. And I, I pray for you this morning, five after four. You don't Sundays. But you got to do the believing. I mean, I can do the praying. 
But you're still going to have to do the believing. When you want something from God, somebody else can be praying for you, but you need to be doing the believing. You don't need to be saying just the opposite. All right. Let's look at another one. Mark 10, 27. Mark 10, 27 is right next door. We're showing you three scriptures. They're not hard to find. 923, 10-27. When you get there, say amen. amen. All right. Now watch what the word says. Jesus looking up on them. Now they just asked him, Lord, who can be saved? Jesus looking up on them and said, he's talking about being saved now. When with men, it is impossible. See, it's impossible for you to be saved. Do you know people are being water baptized to be saved and the Bible just told you it's impossible for you to be saved? Do you know people are doing all kinds of things to be saved and God just told them with men it is impossible? Because only God can save you. See, that's what you got to hear. Watch this. In verse 26 said, and they were astonished out of measure sin among themselves. Who then can be saved? That was a question. And verse 27 says, Jesus looking up on them saying, with men, it is impossible. Impossibly saved, yeah. But not with God. But not with God. See, the key is people still trying to get saved and they don't realize. Go to church on Sunday. See, people are lying to you. They're telling you, come here so you can be saved. Now, how many in here know when God saved you? Some of y'all still don't know, but that's why we, we had a cross, but there's one behind me. That's what the cross said. See, Christ is not coming to die again. He's not coming to save you again. So you're going to have to believe he saved you. Now, how did he save you? Christ died for your sins. He was buried and God raised Jesus from the dead. That's how he saved you. You may not know everything that happened there, but that's how he did it. Now, if Christ already saved you, then you can't believe, be believing to do something else to be saved. Okay. And, and Jesus looking up on them and said, with men, it's impossible to be saved, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Now, are you believing God to save you? Now, let me put it this way. Are you believing God has saved you? Are you believing you still going to get saved? So you got people to tell you, I, 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 I got to get saved. I know I got to get saved. No, you ain't got to get saved. You need to receive salvation. People just don't get it. If you still don't think you can save yourself, you're going to die and go to hell. Christ died for your sins already. He already came here and saved you. Let's go to one more. And that is the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 14. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 14. See, just something like this here sounds like it's just too easy to believe. But you know, people still will miss it. Mark 14, 36. Now, if you got a good Bible, you ought to just write in your Bible, but a lot of folks feel like, you know, I gave you three scriptures, Mark 9, 23, Mark 10, 27, and now Mark 14, 36, right? Here we go. And he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. How many things? All, all things are possible to you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. Now, he was telling the Lord to take away that cup, that suffering, but well, that cup of suffering wasn't going to be taken away. Now, why did I put that in there? Because we believe God to do something. But we want to tell God how to do it. He just said all things are possible to God. And all things are possible to them that believe. But you don't tell God how to do it. You know, what? what uh, 2018... I said to God, 
I know you got this. I don't care what they find. I know you're going to hear me. I'm your boy. I have no question, but you gave me your faith, your grace. I know, hey, I'm living for you. But that's not the way God was going to do it. So when I found out the way God was going to do it, and God knows, the man told me, he said, man, look, you can't wait no longer. You're going to have to pass my test before you can even do it. And my wife will tell you, we just came back from Merle Beach in a wheelchair. And I had to go take a physical. And the man told me, I can't walk, come in there in a wheelchair. You got to pass my physical. I got to walk in there and walk all of where they was going to be at and go through every test walking to pass this physical. And I passed the physical. And the man said to me, oh, we're going to do this Tuesday. Because he said, if, I, if you didn't pass my physical, I could lose you on the table. That's why, that's why you got to be strong enough just to take a sur- just have surgery. See, the king about it, I wanted God to do it my way. I told him, this, this is how it's going to happen. I already got it planned out. But when I found out that doctor told me, say, you got to get it this way. So I told my wife, I said, I'll tell you what. I had taken four tests. My wife would tell you. I said, give me one more. I'm talking about laying on your side and they going all over you and looking your heart, showing everything. I said, I want to see one more. That man looked at me like, you didn't have four. I was not convinced to do it that way. But when that man came to me and said, listen, you got to do this or you ain't going to be here, Pastor. I said, well, when do you want to get this done? <laughs> what I realized is God going to do it his way. See, you got to understand something. When God tell you he want to do something, just make sure it's God. He going to do it anyway. He going to make sure it work anyway. Just let us make sure it's God. Now, here's, here's the other thing I want to show you. What happened when we believe? When we believe a lie, the opposite happened. We, we are deceived. Now, I told you one time, let me show you this here in Titus chapter 3. In Titus chapter 3, the apostle Paul himself was deceived. See, deceived, being deceived is not a hard thing. It's just the devil lied to you, you believe the lie. See, Paul believed in religion tradition of men once upon a time. That was a time when the apostle Paul believed that the law was the only way. And he would kill for it. But he's going to tell you right here in the book of Titus that he was deceived. And see, that was a time when I thought that you had to have communion on the table. As a pastor, I did it ever since we started in the basement. And then when I came to this church, over 20 years later, the Lord showed me that that is the law and he took it away. Plus he also fulfilled all Seven feast days. And when God showed me that, he said, son, that's why people still waiting on Christ to return because the last feast was the Feast of Tabernacle called the Feast of Gathering. And he's already fulfilled it. And yet the people are still waiting for the Lord to return. He said, now, when you read 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, You're going to see that there's going to be a man playing like he's God, who's going to be a king, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. He says, son, tell the people there is no temple in Jerusalem. The temple was completely destroyed. And Jeremiah said, when they destroyed it, they plowed it up. Because they want to get the gold out of all the cracks. So you can go to Jerusalem, Google, Google sometime. When was the temple destroyed in Israel? A.D. 70, Mr. Crump. That's what my Google tells me. Is that A.D. 70, Pastor. 
I say, when will this start? I'm on it. See, all you got to do is take your time, it'll tell you. You can go on your podcast and you can see the seven churches of Asia. And they will show you the ruins where every church was in Asia in the book of Revelation. And yet people will believe a lie that Jesus hadn't come. So if Jesus hadn't come, he has not fulfilled his promises. Because he told all those people that followed him that if you believe in me, you will never see death. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You think Jesus lied to those people? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I know he didn't. Because it is impossible, there's another impossible, for God to lie. So you got to understand, look at Titus. Titus chapter 3. Now in Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, watch what Paul says in verse 3. He says, for we ourselves were sometime, talking about before he got saved. We were foolish, disobedient, there it is, deceived. So it's not impossible for you to be deceived. The, the man who wrote the Bible deceived. Because he believed in the law. God said this to me. He said, he said son, watch, watch how people are. In the days of the Apostle Paul. Now remember, Paul wrote Thessalonians in A.D. 51 through 52. Jesus died in A.D. 30. So we are talking about 20 years had passed. And yet people were still waiting on the Lord, which he hadn't come yet in A.D. 52. So at the end of Paul's ministry, Paul is going to give them some more information. They were all waiting for the Lord to come. Twelve tribes were waiting for the Lord to come. I asked you to read the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea, it gives you a layout of God having Hosea to have to marry a widow. Not a widow, I'm sorry. To marry a woman who was an adulteress. Now, she was like that because that's how Israel was. You got to understand the Old Testament prophets, everything they did was to teach the people natural what God wanted to show them spiritually. So, Hosea had to marry a prostitute because that's what Israel was. And then he had to have a son by her that he called Jezreel because that's where they're going to have the battle in. And they're going to have Jehu. Everything's going to be, everything going to have a new king, everything. And then they're going to have a, a girl baby. And then he's going to name her Lohar Ramah. Then he's going to have another son. See, that, that second daughter is going to be the Lord has, you are not my people and I'm not your God. He said, go, go tell them, I'm not their people no more. Don't be calling me your God. Then, then he had another baby. And he went back and said, go tell them, after I redeem them, now they're my people again. See, so that's what Hosea, the Hosea is a layout of everything about God and Israel. Israel was God's wife. So what you're reading about is God coming getting his wife. Now you are not God's wife. You are the body of Christ. You, we are the body of his son. And there's only one body. So this morning I was giving you a, a whole lot so you can be able to, to look at it. Now, I'm not here to give you all this about deception because you know what it is. But let me show you how they, how they deceive you. Colossians 2.8. Go back to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, God showed us how people will deceive us. How people are deceived. See, I'm going to show you in Thessalonians, they believed a lie. And they lost their salvation. 
because they, if you believe a lie, it means you don't believe the truth. See, the, the truth said Christ died for your sins. He was buried. God raised him from the dead. And everything happened to him has happened to you already. See, when people teach Thessalonians, they teach you, and I asked the class this morning, and they bear witness, that when people teach Thessalonians, they always teach you that the Lord is going to come back and he's going to get our bodies out of the ground and then he's going to take us up with him and then he's going to clean off the earth with all the wicked folk and then he's going to put us back and then we're going to ever be with the Lord. That means you got to live forever in a, in a, in a, in a body of dirt. Why do you think you got the first body? Because you was from the earth. Your first daddy was from the earth. Well, your second, your second daddy ain't from the earth. So that's why I read to you this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you read from verse 42 to verse 49, you already have born the earthly body. There's two bodies. There's an earthly body and a heavenly body. So why do you think Jesus Christ came here, died, and buried, and raised again from the dead? So he can make a glorified body for you. So he showed you how your glorified body going to look. It's able to appear and disappear. Just like Moses was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Abraham was on the Mount, not Abraham. Elijah and Moses were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They appeared and then they disappeared. He was showing you the glorified body. So you got to understand from the body you're in now, you can't appear and disappear. You can only appear. You can hide behind curtains, but I can see you. All right. Now in Colossians chapter number two and verse eight, just one verse. Are you there? Watch what he told them. Beware. Lest any man spoil you. So he told you who gonna, how it's going to happen. It's going to be a man. And he's going to stand right behind this pulpit. Don't let him spoil you. This is how they're going to spoil you. With philosophy. Now everything he's talking about is teaching of the law. A man's wisdom. Philosophy. Vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, after the teachings of the world, and not after Christ. See, that's how people are deceived. They sit down and listen to somebody prophesy lie all day long, and the man keep telling you they they prophesy they prophesy lying. I mean, you might well just call it, call it what it is. Because I've, I've already got the Bible, how can you prophesy to me something else? I don't think you heard what I just said. The only thing you can preach is the Bible. So when somebody said they prophesy to you, then they'll tell you what they say. Yeah, I hear the Lord saying, my child, always my handmaid, and all this stupid stuff. My daughter, my, my child. My... See, trying to make it seem like it's so interesting, that is stupidity. But if you get that lie in you, we all going to know. See, that's how so many folk get sick. Let me, let me, let me, let me go back to Thessalonica. Go to 2 Thess- Thessalonians. See, people don't realize why a lot of people get sick. They believe the lie. What you mean, pastor? What do you think it means to cast out spirits? don't have to cast out the Holy Spirit. He's not going to hurt you. That's why you got to be careful what you hear. See, you can't just let anybody speak into your life. And I got a word. I got, you know, I got a word from the Lord. They, they, there you are. If you got a word from the Lord, it's already in the book. Listen, God has said everything he wanted to say. It's in the book. So when you tell me something that's not in the book, you can't be telling me there's no word from the Lord. It's just like the Lord made up his mind he had something he wanted to say to me that wasn't in the book. 
That's how people take it. And they, and they get deceived. Now, where I tell you to go? We're going back to our, our lesson. I got I to gotta spend some time there. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians. Now, what you want to understand in 2 Thessalonians is that everything that he's saying, he's talking to the people of his day. It's going to come down just a moment. He's talking to the people of his day. He's not talking to you. Listen, listen at the letter. I'm reading the letter. Verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Now you got to understand what he's talking about. He's talking about the gathering together of all of Israel. Remember they had a feast the Feast of Gathering. That's it's called the Feast of Tabernacle. When you count the seven feasts, the last feast is called the Feast of Tabernacle. Well, that's what Paul's talking about, but they don't know what he's talking about. It's called the Feast of Gathering. So if you go back and look at the seven feasts, you had four feasts called Spring Feasts. That means they start off in April. We already had our April. We had our Passover, Unleavened Bread. We had the coming of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. See, then we had the, the four feasts. You're already, already four feasts. And then after, the, the, I'm sorry, the, the uh, uh, no, 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 I'm talking about the first three feasts. First four feasts in Leviticus 23. You had first fruits. That's one I'm missing out. All right. You want to name them? You got them there. You got Passover, Unleavened Bread, First fruits and then Pentecost. All right, you need to read Leviticus 23. That's what they are. But then you had three fall feasts. So you had a big gap in there. And that's what people don't understand about Christ. After he finished the Pentecost, you didn't see him do no more peace. And then after that, you're going to get over into the winter feast. And then you had the fifth feast. What's the fifth feast? The Day of Atonement. That's why you got to understand. That's when Christ returned. Day of Atonement. These three feasts happen the same week. The trumpet, day of atonement. Then you had the Feast of Trumpet. He's going to come with the trumpet, blowing the trumpet. And then you had the Feast of Gathering when you hear the trumpet. You're going to come up and meet the Lord with that. See, they didn't know, but, but that's what Paul was telling them. It's a fulfillment of the feast. That's all it was. But the feast was not given to you. And the feast had already been fulfilled. I gave that this morning in the book of Hosea, chapter number two. I think it's verse number 10. Jesus said, I will take away your feast days. 11. Chapter 11. Chapter two, verse 11 of the book of Hosea. He took away the feast days. There's no more feast days. You got, you got churches right now in America still celebrating feast days. There ain't no more feast days. Christ fulfilled the feast days. What does it mean to say Christ fulfilled the word? What do that mean to you? Listen, listen at this here. This is what I ask you to write down. When Christ fulfills something, he becomes that. So if you think that way, so if Christ fulfilled the Passover, guess who the Passover is now? That's how you understand the word. Everything Christ fulfilled, he became. So I don't need no Passover no more. I have the person. I don't need to go to, I don't need to go to the, the feast. I have him here. I got the proof because the blood is the proof of the Passover. Unleavened bread. The bread is in here. He feeds me daily. See, the Holy Spirit is the Pentecost. He said, see, everything, the resurrection, everything is in you now. Christ is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. So that's why you, all that stuff is just, people just won't get it. If you write this down, it's going to help you. You people who are watching this program, I'm going to come to you. If you watch this program, think this way. Christ is the fulfillment of all things. That means everything that the Old Testament said has been fulfilled in one man, and that's Christ. So you don't have to go back over here to see Jonah. Christ already fulfilled Jonah. Jesus told people, said, look, Abraham 
wanted to see my day. And he did. Because he the one took his child up to the mountain. That was a type of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So everything, Adam, he fulfilled. He's the last Adam. So everything, Job, he's the suffering servant. That's why Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all these people talk differently about Christ. Let me finish. I got a little, little time. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now watch what it says in verse number, verse number 1. He said, I'm talking to you about the, verse 1 said, I'm talking to you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our now, he, now listen, listen to the word, our gathering. 2,000 years ago, our gathering, and now the church will read that and say, talk to us. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Don't be troubled neither by spirit or word or letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. It's A.D. 50. It's not happening yet. It's not going to happen to 20 years later. A.D. 70. Let no man deceive you. Now what you're supposed to find out is this. We, I'm going to show you in the word that this man, if you read Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, you'll see what God said he's going to do to Satan or Lucifer back then. But this was a beast who was a king. You had Daniel told you there were four kings. There was Nebuchadnezzar, the first king of Babylon, and then you had the second king, which was the Grecians and the Persians. Then you had the third, <coughs> I'm sorry, not the Grecians and the Persians, but the second was the Persian. Then the Grecian, number three, and then number four was Rome. These were four kings or four beasts. When you read the book of Daniel, chapter seven, it's going to tell you the four kings are four beasts. The four beasts are four kings. So beast in the scripture is not animal with horns. Horns mean power. So you can't take the thing literally. All right. Then he said in verse 3, we're back there in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. Why? Because if they deceive you, you lost your soul. Watch what he says. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come. She shall not come except there come a fallen away first. And that man of sin. Now you're going to read Isaiah 14, because the Bible is going to tell you, how are you falling from heaven, Lucifer? He's not talking about falling out of the sky. He's talking about being thrown out of the, uh, Jerusalem or being thrown out of the garden. So you got to understand, when I teach on that, I'm going to show you that Satan was left in the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden was Jerusalem. Only thing this Bible is about is the Old Testament, the Jewish believer, and the promised land, and Jerusalem, and the children of Israel. That's all this Old Testament is about. And about when they got kicked out of Jerusalem, they had to go to Egypt. They got kicked out of Jerusalem, they got to go to Babylon. They got kicked out. Those were places of the world. And then they had to get God to help them and bring them back. But that's all it's about. If Adam, Adam was in the Garden of Eden. Adam was in Jerusalem. He was the king. He was the high priest. He got kicked out. And every one after that. That's what the Bible is about. All right. And verse number four. He talked about this man of sin, the son of perdition. You're going to have to read Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. Once again, those two chapters. He said this man opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he asked God, watch this, sitteth in the temple of God. So what did he tell you? He told you it was a man. He's a king. He has now made Jerusalem his headquarters and he has made the temple of God his throne. He is in the temple of God. That is his house. And the Bible says, showing himself that he's God. And then Paul going to say to those people, remember you not, when I was with you, I told you these things? Do it sound like he's talking to you? No. He said, now you know what will hold it that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity is already work, 
but he who will let it will let it until he be taken away. And then he said, and then shall that wicked be revealed. Watch this. Whom the Lord shall consume or destroy with the spirit of his mouth or with the brightness of his coming. He's going to destroy him with the brightness of his coming. So if Jesus Christ destroyed him, where was he at? Did anybody know? Let me go back and read verse 4 again. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that's called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. If he destroyed the temple, wouldn't the person get destroyed too? If you drop a bomb on the temple, the person in the temple will get killed. Now the temple is gone, destroyed. But yet people don't think the devil got destroyed. See, the Lord said he would destroy him with the brightness of his coming. What did he come to? He came to the temple. He destroyed the temple. It wasn't man's destruction of the temple. It was the Lord's destruction of the temple. Why did he destroy the temple? Because he said, I make all things new. He doesn't have a natural temple anymore. Don't let people lie to you and tell you we're going to have to go back to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. You are the temple. God destroyed the natural temple so he can make a spiritual temple and that's who you are. God don't live in the mortar brick and mortar temples. The only reason God's in this place is because you came. So don't have to tell me, Pastor Crump, come here and pray over my house and anoint my house. If you save your house, anoint it. If you ain't save your house, ain't gonna be anointed. If I come in and sprinkle oil all over your house, when I leave, devil's gonna stay right up in there because they ain't going nowhere. Because you ain't saved. You get saved, the devil will leave the house just like it is in you. You don't have to worry about casting out no devil in the new covenant. I'm gonna show you something. When you put Christ inside of you, the devil leaves. You don't have to say, boo devil, boo devil, just receive Christ's death, death, and resurrection as your salvation. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes in your heart, the devil leaves out of the house. Just like when Christ came, he destroyed the devil with the brightness of his coming. So when Christ come inside of you, he just cast the devil out of you with the brightness of his coming. The devil can't stay in the house because it's not his. Will you not say, it's his house. The dirt house is his house. But when you get saved, the new house belongs to the Lord. And when he come in the house, the Holy Spirit come in the house, that's who Christ is, and the devil get kicked out. And he can never, ever come in the house again. He can oppress you, he can come against you, but he can never come in this house again because the house belongs to the Lord. Somebody get the Lord a great big hand. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 1. Brothers, my brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received and where you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain, I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that God rose him, raised him from the dead the third day, according to the scripture. He was seen of Cephas, he was seen of above 500 brothers at once. He was seen of James. He was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Christ already died, buried and raised again from the dead. That's what you got to believe to be saved. When you don't believe that, you will believe a lie. That's what happened to the church at Thessalonians. Thessalonica, they destroyed because they didn't believe the truth. Because they believed a lie, they lost their souls. Don't make the same mistake. Don't make the same mistake. God is not coming back for you to take you to a natural Jerusalem. Jerusalem is above. Jerusalem is above. Not in the Middle East. My time is up. And I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you.
Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org. 